Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Before I begin today's episode, I wanted to ask for your help with something. If you listen on iTunes, you've probably seen their list of podcasts designated as COVID-19 essential listening. I've reached out to Apple to ask them to include Shelter in Place on that list, but I need your help. If you could take a moment to go to iTunes, rate Shelter in Place, and write a quick review of what you like about the show, I would be so grateful. Last week, when I was complaining about the frequency of temper tantrums and dramatic meltdowns in our home, some of which were my own, a friend of mine suggested that maybe we should just let our kids cry. We're giving ourselves permission to be a mess right now, she said. Why not give them permission too? Her words seemed right to me, but I promptly forgot about them. Until this week. A couple of days ago, my friend Annie sent me a video message on Marco Polo. She knew that Nate had lost his job this week and that we'd also pulled the plug on our plans to move to Mexico in July, plans that were 17 years in the making. In case you missed it, I shared this in more detail in episodes 30 and 32. Annie's message was a short one, just a quick hello to say how tired she was and to say she'd been thinking about me and wanted to know how I was doing. All week, I've been trucking along, telling myself it's all going to be okay. I felt a little numb to our circumstances. It's all just felt like too much to process. But something about seeing Annie's face and hearing the weariness in her voice broke down my defenses. I tried to send a message back to say that we were okay, but I couldn't even get through it. I stopped and tried again. Two seconds in, I was bawling. I had to put the phone down and just sit there crying. My relationship to tears is a slightly complicated one. I am what people call a crier, which is to say that I am maybe a little bit sentimental in life, though I try not to be in my writing. I cry in movies. When friends of mine are crying, it often makes me cry too. Even happy news brings tears to my eyes. But I've also experienced the crying that comes with depression, a lonely, tainted sort of crying that repels people, that repels me from myself. I've always heard that having a good cry is a good thing, but I've also known the opposite to be true. I started researching this and almost immediately found my way to Ad Wingerhuts, a professor of clinical psychology at Tilburg University in the Netherlands, who has spent the last 20 years studying when and why we cry and how the study of crying may help us obtain better insight into human nature. He gave a wonderful TEDx talk in Amsterdam on the subject, which I've included in my show notes. I reached out to Odd, who I have to say, for someone who spent so much time studying tears, was totally delightful. He gave me permission to share some of his talk with you. Odd began his talk with the Greek and Egyptian creation stories, where the tears of gods created humans. He noted that in many cultures, tears are a key part of community, They're the way people come together to process death and disaster. Humans are the only animals who weep. 
When Odd read that Charles Darwin believed that our tears were purposeless, just a way to wet the eyes, he set out to prove him wrong. Odd says, I strongly believe that tears also have played an important role in evolution and still do serve important functions. Without tears, we humans would never have become the empathic, ultra-social species that we currently are. For example, we take care of the old, the sick, and disabled. We can work so perfectly together. I believe that our tears are reflective of our long childhoods. Unlike animals, we're born helpless. As children, our survival depends on adults caring for us. Our tears are important as children because they elicit the care, protection, and love that we need to survive. Even into adulthood, they prompt us to deeper connection and social bonding. There's another upside to this vulnerability. Since our brains don't fully develop until we're in our 20s, we're learning machines with great power for flexibility and adaptation. Odd's research also looked at our reasons for weeping. He found that when we reach adulthood, we cry much less over physical pain. But our tears over loss, separation, and powerlessness are consistent throughout our lives. As we get older, our tears of empathy, sympathy, morality, and sentimentality are more frequent. Once we're adults, our tears become a kind of exclamation mark, a signal to ourselves and others that there's a problem, that at least in this moment, we're having trouble coping with it. It's our cue that we need to reach out for support, that we need someone to comfort us. I think maybe that's what was going on with me the other day. I'd reached that point in the week in this time of sheltering in place when the challenges just felt too hard. I didn't feel like I could cope anymore, at least not alone. Odd's research has shown that whether or not our tears are good for us depends a lot on the situation. If we're depressed, crime probably isn't going to make us feel better. The cause of our tears is also a factor. The extent to which we're in control of our situation will have an effect on how we experience those tears. And of course, how others react to our tears makes all the difference. When they react with approval and comfort, it's a completely different situation than when they act with disapproval or anger. After my little sob fest on Marco Polo, I did feel better. I was a little embarrassed. But the exchange prompted Annie to reach out to me and drag me out for a social distance run. I felt terrible, but it was good to talk about things. Good to cry. Because she was there for me to validate my tears, the crying felt purposeful. It also made me think about my kids. How many times have I inwardly rolled my eyes when my daughter is sobbing over the injustice of her sister getting the same reward she's getting? or lost my temper when my kids burst into angry tears when things didn't go their way. I think my friend was right that it's okay to let them cry. And it's okay to let myself cry, too. But the crying alone isn't necessarily going to help unless there's someone there to see it, to tell me that even though this is hard, we're going to get through it. I'm thinking about so many of you right now. Wondering if, like me, you've been keeping it together because the demands of daily life are pushing you to silence your own grief. 
Or if maybe you are crying and there's no one there to see it, to tell you that you're loved and valued and that it's okay if you're a hot mess right now. I'm guessing at some point these past five weeks, we've all had at least a couple of moments when we felt like crying. Maybe we even did cry. So today, in case there's no one else saying it, let me say the thing we all need right now. Your tears are justified. I know how aimless and even hopeless this time can feel, but it's not meaningless. One way or another, we're going to get through it. If you can hear that from me, then maybe you can extend that message to someone else you know who might be crying right now too, who might need permission to weep, who needs to know that when they cry, they're not alone. Before I close today, I want to share with you a special treat. Yesterday, Out There podcast featured my shelter in place episode about what backpacking on the John Muir Trail taught me about sheltering in place. Out There is a podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. You can find my episode at outtherepodcast.com. That episode also includes my conversation with Out There host, Willow Belden. I hope you'll check it out, and also the other episodes that Out There has produced. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen, share it with a friend, and subscribe. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. Even in these tough times, this family business has stepped up to be the first sponsor of Shelter in Place. When you order wine from brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code SHELTER. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, you'll also get free shipping and overnight shipping in California. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always, you can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.